Well, greetings, everyone. My name is Brian, and I'm one of the lead pastors at Walnut Hill Community Church. I just want to greet all of you who are watching online with us. I want to greet all of you who call Walnut Hill your home, all of you who have found us uh, just through the website or just online. Welcome. Greetings to you. You know, today we continue on in our sermon series called The Red Letters. We're looking at the words of Jesus and the Gospel of Luke. And today's message is really a call to prayer. I want to call us as the body of believers to pray. I see us going out of today's message as a mighty army praying for the power of God to move in our world right now, today. That the Lord would come and do something spectacular, supernatural in our midst. In this trying and difficult time and season, let's call upon the Lord together. You know, prayer is, is powerful and prayer is effective. When I think of, of prayer, I think of lots of different stories through, throughout the Bible. I, I think of Peter when he's in jail and how a small community of believers pray for him. And as they're praying, the, the walls of the prison shake and crumble and, and Peter is released and set free. I think of Hannah who prayed for a child, desperate for a child, and she cries out to the Lord and Eventually, the Lord blesses her with the child. I think of some Old Testament stories. I think of a story of King Hezekiah, who was the king of Judah. And he hears that the Assyrian army is going to attack Jerusalem. His heart breaks. He knows that the Assyrian army is much stronger than his army. He goes before the Lord and he says, Lord, would you deliver us? The Lord answers his prayer. I think of Elijah who called for the rains to stop, and the rains stopped. And then he prayed to the Lord for the rains to begin again, and the rain started again. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. And this is a moment right now, friends, where we need to stand together in prayer. This is a message about prayer. This is a call to prayer. We're looking at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. These are some words from Jesus. Uh, I'd invite you to open your Bibles or uh, a mobile app of some sort to get this in front of you. This is the part of Scripture where one disciple, an unnamed disciple, comes before Jesus while Jesus is in solitude praying. And he says, Jesus, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. We see this in Luke's Gospel, chapter 11. We see it in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6. It's what's called the Lord's Prayer. And Jesus pauses and he teaches his disciples how to pray. I love that this disciple wanted more. And he sees something that Jesus has and he wants it. Now think about it. This disciple had already experienced the power of Jesus' teaching. He had already experienced the power of Jesus' deliverance ministry as he saw Jesus cast out demons. He had already seen the power of of Jesus' healing ministry. He was probably one of the 72 who were sent out by Jesus. And he went out and he ministered in Jesus' name and came back filled with joy because of all the things that they were able to do through the power of Jesus' name. Think about all that he had experienced, but now he wants even more. And he sees in the life of Jesus, as Jesus is bowing before his father, connecting with his father through prayer, he says, wow, there's something even deeper than what we've experienced. I want more. I hope that you are listening to this today wanting more of the Lord, wanting more of him. 
And I believe that although this is a trying season, a troubling season, an un, uh, a season where we're not sure what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, I pray that we might be able to see that there can be some gains in this season as well. And that this could be a, a great opportunity for us to gain in our spiritual walk with the Lord. If we would approach him like this unnamed disciple and make our request, Lord, teach us to pray. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. You know, I love concerts. I love going to concerts. I love pretty much everything about concerts. I love the sound. I love the environments. I love the excellence. I love the emotion. I love everything about concerts. I really love the lights that happen at a concert. You know, the lights that happen at a concert are very different than the lights that I have in my living room. Maybe for you too. They're, they're, they're not the same. But when you go to a concert, you, you see the, the colors and the lights and you, you, you see the beams that, that come out from the lights and they're multidimensional. Just from a change of lighting, the whole mood in the room can change. And I've, I've learned some things about lights that I didn't know before. And he, let me share a little bit with you. You see, what makes a concert light so effective is that they release haze or fog in the room. And once that haze is released in the room, all of a sudden you can see the colors of the light. All of a sudden you can see the beams of the light. Without the haze or the fog in the room, you can't see the beams. You can't see the vibrancy of the colors. Although the light is in the room, you can't see it clearly. Friends, on a spiritual front, in a, in a spiritual way, you know, prayer is releasing haze in the room. Prayer is releasing fog into the room. What is unseen becomes seen when we pray. You see, God is in the room. The light is in the room. But it's until we pray that we get to see what he's doing. We get to see the vibrancy of his love and the multidimensional aspect of his plans for our lives when we go to him in prayer. You know, when I think about it that way, it becomes really exciting to prayer, uh, to pray. I want to pray because I want to see God. I want to pray because I want to meet the Lord. I want to pray because I want to release haze in the room so I can see what he's doing, so I can understand more about his ways. And friends, this is a season for us to pray. This is a season for us to really meet with Jesus, to release haze in the room. I'm praying that in this unique season, we'll draw close to the Lord like never before. And that's gonna happen through an attitude and a posture of prayer. This is what I'd like to do today is I wanna share a few lessons about prayer from Jesus's words in Luke chapter 11, verses one through 10. And then at the very end, I wanna call us to a season of prayer together. Much like sending a great army, I wanna send us out as a great army marching together in an attitude and posture of prayer. Let's look at Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. And I just want to share three lessons with you from the words of Jesus about how we should pray. The first lesson is this. When we pray, we should pray directly. I remember a few years ago, I had the opportunity to meet one of my baseball player heroes. When I was a child, this was one of my favorite baseball players. It was Daryl Strawberry. And if you remember, if you've been at Walnut Hill for a while, you remember Daryl Strawberry came to this church and he spoke to us. 
And I was so excited because I had a poster of him on my wall as a child. And I actually got to have lunch with him before the event. I remember going to the restaurant, waiting for Daryl to get there, thinking to myself, what should I call him? Should I call him Daryl? Should I call him Mr. Daryl? Mr. Strawberry? Straw Man? Strawlicious? What should I call him? I wasn't sure. I can't remember what I called him in the end. I'm sure I got it wrong because I was nervous. But now think about it this way. Now think about meeting God. What should we call him? What would be the appropriate title? Man, what do we call the Lord? And here Jesus, he starts with telling, listen, you want to know how to pray. This is how to, how to pray. Let me, let me share right from the beginning. This is what you're to call your God. And Jesus says, Father, call him Father, our Father who art in heaven. Father, man, this was a revelation to the disciples. This taught them something about who their God was, who our God is. Uh, three things I want to share with you. First, it taught them that their God was close, that they had access, that they could pray directly to him. See, oftentimes they'd go to the priest or they'd go to somebody else, a leader in their community with their requests, with their sins, and then that person would pray on their behalf. But here Jesus is saying, no, 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 listen, you have a new level of access. He's your heavenly father. He's close. He's with you. You know, in Old Testament, the people wouldn't even be able to say the name Yahweh. Maybe they would call him the king. But if you were to talk to a king, you would give your message to somebody else. Now Jesus is saying, no, there's a new revelation about your God. You're to call him father. You can go directly to him. Friends, I want you to know that in this moment right now, you can go directly to your father. The second thing that it revealed to the disciples is this, is that they because they had a father, they were the children of God. Friends, as we go to the Lord, we go to him as our father. Therefore, that makes us the children of God. We are his children. And so we can act like his children as we go to him. We can know that we are welcomed and we are wanted in his presence. We can go knowing that he cares for us. We can go before him knowing that he wants what is best for us. Isn't this the, the posture of any good father? They want what is best for their children. We can go before him knowing that he knows what is best for us. So often our parents know what's best for us. And of course, our perfect heavenly father knows what's best for us. Finally, when Jesus says, say father, call him father, what was revealed to the disciples was the character of God. He was their father and he's a good father. Now, friends, I understand that for many, maybe this idea of father, if you relate it to your earthly father, it's, it's not a good analogy. It doesn't correlate. It doesn't match up. And if we're all honest, none of us have a perfect earthly father and so all of us, to some extent, need to replace our current picture with a new picture of who our heavenly father is. You know, my father's father abandoned him when he was very young. My dad was about nine years old, walked out on him. It left my dad having to care for his mom and his younger sister. My father worked hard and he did it to earn money for the family. Uh, he was an adult far before he should have been an adult. 
Now, should my father take the picture of his father and equate it to who his heavenly father is? That he was a, he's a God who's walked out on him. That he's a God who only shows up at certain times. No, my, my, my father can't do that. He has to replace it. He has to ask the Lord to give him a new picture of who his heavenly father is. Many of you might need to do the same thing. I praise the Lord that my father has discovered that his father is a God who loves him, who will never leave him or forsake him. So how has he discovered this new picture of his father? Two ways. First, we learn about who our father is through his word and through his son. We turn to his word. We, we look into his scripture. We learn about who he is, who he has already revealed himself to be. And we learn and we trust the picture that he's given us. We also look at his son. In fact, in John 14, Philip says this to Jesus, Lord, show us the father and we will be satisfied. And this is how Jesus replied, his red letter words. Have I been with you all this time, Philip? And yet you still don't know who I am. Anyone who has seen me has seen the father. When we look at Jesus, we see the father. This is how we discover our new picture of who our father is. We look to Jesus. The good news, friends, is that we have a heavenly father who is good. The picture is a good picture. We just need to seek him out in order to find it. When we pray, we should pray directly. Right, come right into the presence of God. Right into his throne room. Right before our heavenly father. And call him that. Call him father. The second thing we learn from Jesus' words is this, is that when we pray, we should pray humbly. A couple things to point out here that I think are remarkable. You know, a person who prays humbly prays for God's kingdom to come. You know, Jesus, he instructs his disciples here. He says, pray for my kingdom to come. Really, it says your kingdom come. That's what we're to pray. Your kingdom come, Lord. We're not to pray my kingdom come. Our prayer should always be for God's kingdom, not ours. Another way to say this is we want to pray for God's best here on earth. In humility, we're to pray as servants of the king. You know, I think that we are in a season right now that we could call a reset season. A time to reset things. It's a time to maybe be able to sit back to, to really ask ourselves some deep questions to, to reset things. And maybe one of those questions that we need to ask ourselves right now, real vulnerability is, hey, whose kingdom have I been building? Have I been praying, Lord, your kingdom come? Or have I been spending all my time building my kingdom? Now, there are really only four answers to this question. Whose kingdom have you been building? The four answers are, you've been building your kingdom. You've been building someone else's kingdom. You've been building God's kingdom. Or it's a mixture of all three. So how do we know whose kingdom we've been building? You know, I often ask myself these three questions as I approach that. You know, whose kingdom am I building? Am I building my kingdom? The things that, that I desire, I hope for, I want. Things that make me comfortable and satisfied. Or am I building the kingdom of God? Which when we build the kingdom of God, by the way, it brings us the greatest satisfaction. It's the greatest place of joy and fulfillment. But how do we determine whose kingdom we're building? I usually ask myself these three questions. The first is, how am I using my time? When I look back at my calendar and how I'm actually using my time, I can discover pretty quickly whose kingdom I'm building. 
If I'm spending all my time trying to please somebody else, maybe I'm building their kingdom. If I'm spending all of my time focusing on the things that I want, well, I'm probably building my kingdom. If I'm spending my time seeking the Lord, asking him for what his will is, leaning in to hear his voice, well, then I'm probably building his kingdom. The second question I ask is this, what are my relationships based on? A good way to determine whether you're building the kingdom of God or your own kingdom or someone else's kingdom is look at your relationships, the health of your relationships, your friendships. What are they based on? Are they based on things that you're developing, things that you desire, you want, things that uh, bring pleasure to you only? Or are they based on building the kingdom of God? You see, we've been called to be the body of Christ. And therefore, our friendships that are around us should be about building the kingdom of God, about edifying uh, Jesus Christ, bringing glory to Jesus. What are your friendships like? The third question I often ask myself is this, is am I experiencing, and, uh, am I experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in my life? Is there love? Is there joy? Is there peace? Is there patience? Is there kindness? Is there goodness? Is there faithfulness? Is there gentleness and self-control? Are these the things that make up my life right now? Is this the fruit of what I'm seeing around me? A humble person prays, Lord, your kingdom come. In this season, let's be a people who are praying that, Lord, we want your best right now. The second thing within this is when we pray, we should pray humbly, is that a person who prays humbly trusts that God will provide everything that they need. I love how Jesus teaches his disciples here to pray that God would give them food to eat, and catch these words, each day. I love that language. It reminds me a lot of the Israelites as they were wandering in in the wilderness. And as they were wandering in the wilderness, they were given manna each day. Remember the first time they were given that manna and they collected more than what they needed and it spoiled just like God told them it would? Well, then each day they collected just enough for that day. And the Lord always provided for them everything they needed for that day. This was a lesson, 40 years, a lesson of dependency. And a humble person welcomes dependency, saying, I am going to be dependent on the Lord. You know, as parents, what we do is we teach our children to become independent. You know, we want to teach them to look both ways before crossing the road, but hopefully when they're 40 years old, you're not having to remind them to do that. You want to teach them to, to speak up to adults and, and ask good questions, but, but hopefully you're not sitting in their interview with them when they're 30 for their job. Hopefully they've become independent. You've released them out into the world. Well, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, it's actually the exact opposite. We're not trying to gain independence. We're trying to become more dependent on him. And a humble person, a person who prays with great humility, recognizes that they are completely dependent on them. Friends, again, I think this is a season for a reset, for us to learn again what it means to be dependent on the Lord. You see, in real life, right now, all of us have an opportunity to trust the Lord, to say, Lord, we're going to be dependent upon you. You know, for some of you, maybe you've already lost your job. Will you be dependent on the Lord? For for some of you, you're homeschooling right now. Will you be dependent on the Lord? Will you seek the Lord and lean on him? 
You know, none of us are in control right now. Will we depend on the Lord? All of us need peace and joy and hope in our life right now. Will you depend on the Lord for those things? The last thing I'll say within this is as we pray, we should pray humbly, is that a person who prays humbly recognizes their shortcomings. I love how Jesus teaches his disciples here to pray. Hey, listen, you should pray and ask for forgiveness. And as you ask for forgiveness, you should also come having forgiven others. This is the posture. Come knowing your shortcomings. Come before him humbly, before, before the God of the universe, knowing where you've missed it and ask for forgiveness. And also be ready and willing to forgive those who have hurt you. The third thing I want to share with you is this, and and this comes from Jesus in his teaching here in chapter 11. Friends, when we pray, we should pray boldly. You know, Jesus turns now in Luke 11 and he tells a story, a parable. And this is what he says. He says, listen, you have a friend that comes to your home. It's a visitor, but you don't have enough bread. And so at midnight, you go to your neighbor's house, you knock on the door, you wake him up, he pops his head out of the window and you say, hey, listen, I had a visitor that came. It's midnight, I understand that, but, but I, can I have three loaves of bread? And the neighbor looks down at you and says, hey, listen, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. Now, this is what Jesus' instructions in this moment. I love this. This is what Jesus says. I think many of us would just kind of walk away and say, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have woken you up at midnight. I apologize for that. Won't happen again. But this is Jesus' instructions. He says, practice shameless persistence. I love that. What Jesus instructs us, and remember this parable is about prayer. And so Jesus instructs us. He says, keep knocking, keep asking, and you will receive. The call is to knock on the door. The call is not to leave a note. The call is not to come back later. The call is not to try to sneak in and grab the bread for yourself. The call is to boldly knock at the door. Go for it. Friends, I believe that this is a season for us as church to rise up and boldly come before the Lord. Boldly knock and make our requests, and ask him to move in this season, in this time, in our situation. But here's what I want to warn you, is that if you're going to knock boldly, you need to be prepared to receive a word from God that's going to challenge you to live boldly. Only knock boldly if you're prepared and ready to receive challenging words from God that will cause you to live boldly. Because here's how I think it happens. We, we go before the Lord boldly. He challenges us to live boldly. And when we obey and, and move out with a radical faith, we get to see his kingdom come. Let me tell you a quick story of how I've seen this happen in my own life just recently. I was asked several months ago to give uh, an opening, uh, kind of a, a blessing at a gala. And it was a gala for an animal sanctuary here in town. And uh, my friend who is the founder of the Animal Sanctuary asked me to give this blessing. And she actually gave me six minutes at the beginning of this gala. There are going to be about 500 people there. And it's going to be just a diverse group of people from all faith backgrounds. And so I thought to myself, what should I do? And I I consulted myself, Lord, what should I do? And to be honest with you, uh, 
I was a little bit nervous about what to share. I wanted to please everybody. And I knew that there were going to be all kinds of different people in the room. Not everybody shared my faith in Jesus. And so I eventually went to Beck and I said, hey, this is what I'm thinking about sharing at the gala. And it was a very safe message. And I love this about my wife. She, she looked back at me and she said, it doesn't sound like you asked God what to say in this. <laughs> you know what? She was exactly right. And she challenged me. She said, you know what? You've been asked to bring a word to these people. Now go boldly before the Lord and ask him for a word. And so I did. I took her up on that challenge. And so I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, what do you want me to share? I'm ready to go boldly for you. And this is where it got tricky, friends, because the Lord gave me a word. And then I had to walk it out. The Lord gave me a word. So we came to the gala and uh, I was standing there and they invited me up. There's about 500 people there. And the Lord had given me a clear word to share. The Lord gave me this word actually from this passage, Matthew's gospel though, and it's the Lord's prayer. And he brought my attention to that part of of the Lord's prayer where it says, um, on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And immediately I saw this animal sanctuary as a place where when people stepped on the property, it would be like stepping it would like be, be coming into heaven on earth. It would be heaven on earth. That people will experience heaven on earth. And I shared this word with all the people and, and, then, and then I prayed and then I sat down. My table, who, who I didn't know, they, they thanked me for it. They thought it was an encouraging word. But then an hour later, this is what happened. A pre-recorded video went on the screens for everybody to see. The founder was up on the screen and she, she was sharing And she said, you know what our vision for this sanctuary is? Is that it would be heaven on earth. I couldn't believe it. I had no idea. All of a sudden, the room, a bunch of people just started turning around and looking at me and and, and pointing at me like this. Their, Their eyes kind of lit up like, that's what you said. That's what you said. It was like God was just kind of magnifying himself and saying, listen, I'm, I'm working. I'm, I'm in the room. There's no way that this guy who got up in the beginning could have known that this pre-recorded video would say the same exact thing. And because I asked the Lord boldly and decided to radically step out in a bold way, the Lord used it boldly for his kingdom. Friends, I think this is a time for us to be bold in our prayers, to come boldly before the Lord. I love how in 2 Chronicles 7, it says this, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. I love this passage because there are some things that we can do and then there are these promises from God. Here are the things that we can do. We need to humble ourselves. Could this be a season of of humbling? Lord, we humbly come before you. We can pray. We can release haze into the room. We can seek the Lord's face with with all that we are. And we can repent. We can turn back to the Lord. Maybe for some of us, this is a season where we need to repent, turn back to the Lord. We've been walking far from him. We turn back to him. Now, once we do that, these are the promises of God. He will hear from heaven. And when we call on his name, when we cry out, he will hear it. Secondly, he will forgive our sins. When we repent and we turn to him, our sins are forgiven. He's faithful to forgive. And then I love this third promise, and I want us to hear it today. He will restore our land. 
Friends, I want to call us to come in humility before the Lord, to pray, to seek his face, to turn back to him. And I believe he'll remain faithful to his promise to hear our call, to forgive us our sin, and to restore our land. So here's the application. I want to call the church to pray. I want to call all of you who are listening to pray. I thought about the story of the Israelites marching around Jericho. Remember how they marched around Jericho seven times, and on the seventh time, seventh day, the walls fall. And I love how in the beginning with Joshua, the Lord gives this word. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to march around the walls of Jericho for seven days. One time each day for six days and seven times on the seventh day. And Joshua calls his whole army to this. Now in this moment, some of his army could have said, that's ridiculous, I'm not doing it. And maybe just a fraction of the army would go and just walk around. But, but I love the fact that his whole army got up and began to march around the walls. Friends, this is a moment for the whole army to rise up and march around the walls. This isn't just for the prayer team to get up and march around the walls. I think if just the prayer team gets up and marches the wall, they're going to shake the walls, but they may not fall down. The Lord's looking for all of us to rise up, to march around the walls, to join our hearts in prayer. So what are we praying for? I want to suggest five things that we join our hearts in prayer for. The first is this. Let's pray for the power of God. Let's pray for the power of God. Lord, would you move in power and stop this virus? Secondly, let's pray passionately for people. This is a year that we've been calling Ignite Compassion. Let's pray passionately for people, specifically. Let's pray for those who know, uh, who, who have become infected by this virus. Let's pray for those who are serving those who are sick. And if you're listening right now and, and, and you're in the medical field, thank you so much for, for the hard work that you're doing. Thank you for serving us. Let's pray for the leaders who are making tough decisions, government leaders, school leaders, church leaders, medical leaders. Let's pray for those who are isolated. Let's pray for the elderly, the hospitalized. Let's pray for those who are single right now. Let's pray for those without family. And let's pray for those who have lost significantly, lost loved ones, lost jobs, Maybe at a different level, I even think of, of high schoolers and, and kids who have lost out on things because schools have shut down, their musicals have ended, their sports have ended. I know those are small sacrifices, but they're a big deal to many of our kids. Let's pray for our kids in this season in that. Third, let's pray for new revelation. You see, friends, I don't think that we're just going to go back to life as it was. I don't think we should. I think the Lord is giving us new revelation in this season. And I believe he's doing that individually for us. Pray for new revelation. But also I believe the Lord's doing that for his church. Not just Walnut Hill, but his church on a global scale. Let's pray for new revelation. Fourth, let's pray for a great awakening. You know, I think in a season like this, the Lord, he's shaking us, calling us to wake up to who he is. And finally, let's pray for opportunities to bless. In this Ignite Compassion year, let's pray that the Lord would bring to our attention how we are to act compassionately in this moment. Hey friends, I, I hope that you feel called to pray. I hope that you feel encouraged to pray. And I hope that you, 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 you almost feel giddy to pray, to release haze in the room, that we might see God 
and that we might hear from him and that he might become very real in this season for each of us. Pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.